0: Welcome back to Beer Buddies, uh, Chris and I. We've been thinking about this kind of topic for a while. We've been traveling a lot over the last couple years, and everywhere we go, finding local craft brew or local craft breweries, you know, anything we can really get our hands on um, in that area is really, really number one priority, I think. And we've noticed some different trends in different areas and. Um, we're here to kind of talk about that today, plus uh, drink some of our local favorites while we discuss our ideas about, you know, what the regions, different regions are doing. Yeah. And we'll talk about those beers too.
1: Yeah. yeah. In the last six months, uh, we've covered. Uh, let's see. I brought some back from Michigan. Uh, we've been to SoCal. You went to Miami, and the middle of the Midwest.
0: I was. I went to Madison, Wisconsin. I went to. Baton Rouge in Louisiana, I was in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. So
1: you know, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it was even in um, uh, Maine for a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say we have my cousin in Maine gave us some beer from uh, mm-hmm. uh, Allagash and another place because he lives there, and so you got to try some there. He mailed some to us, not didn't mail, sorry, airplane brought him on an airplane and a carry on legally, <laughs> and right. we uh, tried them out. Uh, so we pretty much uh, this year because we go on a trip. Uh, we spend one day at a brewery. Uh, we try and pick a different spot. It was San Francisco once and it was uh, one day in the was, city. Yeah, one day in the city. And we so a brewery hop, yeah. So our last one, which is on uh, my website, we went to San Diego for a day, hopped around, and flew back home at night. And we're thinking the fourth corner of the United States that we haven't hit yet. It's either going to be I don't think we decided Seattle or Portland. All right? I went to Seattle. Um, Oh, that's right, because Jordan's been everywhere. I went to Seattle. I went to... I mean, I tried a little bit. Didn't you go to Elysian? I went to Illusion. It's it's a little overrated, but... um, (laughs) Yes. I mean, Space Dust is their big... Well, you can't even really go
0: there anymore because Budweiser bought them out. Yeah. Because they don't like them using the hops they use for Space Dust. That's interesting that they... So they had them change the recipe a little bit? You know, I don't know. I still... Okay, that last part deserves a fact check. Uh, you know, I bartended at a restaurant, and one of my regulars told me that, one, they were bought out by Budweiser, mm-hmm. and two, it was because of the hot blend used in Space Dust. And Budweiser didn't really like that. For some reason, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But I, that's it, it sounds like Illusion is no longer really them anymore.
1: Well, that's kind of the fear, I guess. Like uh, Here in Sacramento, we have... Uh, a couple of big ones, like Track 7, yeah, they've stayed pretty uh, solid. They they're still have a craft feel, even though they're, they're huge. Uh, Knee Deep, though, is the one we're worried about slipping away. They're kind of getting more of that mainstream, sliding towards the direction of maybe Sierra Nevada, yeah. uh, bigger distribution. Well, um, and then, then the, there's just like the a major lack
0: of buy-in to yeah. um, the general, or like the brewery scene. You know, they just dropped their first sour like three or four months ago. Uh, Nidip. Yeah. And they've been around. They're and one of been the staples for, of Sacramento. Yeah, they've been People around for a while. So to have such an amazing sour scene in the area, you know, track seven, almost every single can release by track seven has a sour. Yeah. New Glory almost always has a sour. You know, so many breweries mm-hmm. have sours on draft. It's part of what they do. Yeah. And well, even one the of the small biggest ones. players just... Yeah, it's more, especially yeah. the small ones. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, we have Porch Light... Had one when we were there. Thin Lines got that sour... Yeah. ...the the punch right now. Mm -hmm. They have really cool names. I have a hard time remembering the names of their beers. They're uh, uh, police-themed or... Claimstake just dropped a new one today or yesterday. Another new one. They just came out with one like two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, that was the one I was telling you about last night. So... uh, Eastside Punch, right? Or is that different? No, no, it's a completely different one. Okay. Uh, So, you know, so to have... Point being, to have, you know, a major player in the brewery game... Not really be buying into a lot of the trends, and especially because they're so IPA heavy. You know, they'll have 30 something beers, and upper 20s, lower 30s of them will be IPAs. So if they have like 34 beers on draft, you know, 29 of them will be IPAs.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so, um, they're definitely getting more of what I think is sort of like the Lagunitas vibe.
1: Yeah, what's interesting? I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was waiting to talk about Louganine, is They were bought out by Budweiser, uh-huh. but with an agreement that they don't change anything. That they keep being themselves. Sure. So maybe Elysian's doing that too. I don't know. Again, maybe. Like, but you've been to Elysian, The only one we get down here in Sacramento area is Space Dust. I think and, I've seen one more. And Deglo. Deglo. Okay. Uh, is that Elysian? Yes. 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 That one was really good. We, yes. we bought that one. It was mislabeled on a shelf. It was a dollar a can. Uh huh. Best dollar I think we've ever spent on beer. It was great.
0: Right. That was a really good idea. I went to Elysian about six weeks before Budweiser allegedly bought them out. Hmm. Supposedly. That's the timeline that's been given to me. Again, fact check that. I don't have zero idea. Hmm. Um, but what do you think? All right, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, you have, <laughs> you know, you go to Michigan every summer, or at least every other summer. Probably yeah. once a year you're in Michigan trying yeah. beer. Uh, what, what do you think if you know, to people who drink on the West Coast? Because you know I feel like we have a pretty good handle on what West Coast <coughs> beers are like. Mm-hmm. What would be? What do you think is the biggest difference between drinking here versus drinking where you, your family lives in Michigan? Oh man,
1: that's something I've been trying to put my finger on for a long time. Uh, Let, let's I, start with styles. What do you, what do you think are different about the styles? They've got a lot of porters. There's a lot of lagers pilsners. Um, there's a lot of just just IPAs. They don't classify them as, as far as I've seen, I'm very limited in Michigan, but uh, they're not American or, or Hazy's or whatever. They're just IPA. When you go buy them, it's just a so-and-so's IPA. They don't really put the ingredients on the can. Like a lot of the West Coast places, I guess we're really snobby out here in California where we want to see what's in the beer, the malt, the, the hop mix. That's not really a thing yet, which I mean, that's a lot of brewers are starting to do that. That's kind of a newer thing, but uh, they don't have that same scene out there. For the most part, uh, at least my relatives drink, um, they call it uh, the Blue Light Special, the Bat Blue Light. So it's a Canadian version of like a Coors or a Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Budweiser, a lot of like Olympia hams, Pabst is big. You know, you're thinking this is. Um, like old school American pilsner. That's what it is, but that's <clears throat> the, the. It's hard to explain. That style is still very, very prevalent out there.
0: It's true. It's really. It's. I mean. You know, even in you know when I was in Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. about is about a year ago. They have a craft beer scene that I would I would think is comparable to Sacramento. It's different. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Go with this one. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Should we talk about what it is? You go ahead and introduce it, and then okay. I'll finish what I Okay,
1: sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't interrupt Jordan all the time. Not on the podcast so much, but in real life constantly, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh man, we might have to do a podcast about it, because I don't know if people will go to my website to read about our San Diego trip. Just talk about it, yeah. But uh, one of the places that we both wanted to go to in August when we went to San Diego was Belgian Beaver. They came out with all kinds of good stuff. This one is a collaboration between Belgian Beaver and Coronado.
0: Which we didn't get to go to. Yeah, let me double check that really players.
1: quick. Let me make sure I'm saying that right. Cornado. Yeah, Cornado Brewing Company. They're just, yeah, they're both big players. Cornado I think is probably a little bit bigger than and Beaver down there. Yeah. Belgian Beaver has got a lot of distro, but uh, Cornado just got some good stuff. So this one's called Tooth and Tail. And it's kind of a teal blue can. Looks like scales on it. And it's what got a mermaid and a, and a... Is that a beaver? Is that a beaver? Okay. It's a beaver. It's an IPA. I want to say it's... I don't even know. What does it say on here? It's a double dry hopped hazy IPA. Uh, it is it hot one on the can? It is probably on the can, but I don't feel like tilting the can too much. Sure, that's fine. Um, oh, here, let me give me get a phone light here. It's a little dim out here. We're doing this in the evening. Um, all right. <clears throat> it's a uh, double dry hopped hazy IPA, and they dry hopped it with. La- they said the layered flavors. Showcase individual hop characteristics specifically. Um, It's got mosaic, Idaho 7, Citra, Motuika hops, uh, Hmm. and those round out. The Silky Smooth beer with notes of uh, melon, pineapple, citrus, and uh, cheers from Tom. There you go. It's a paraphrased, not so eloquently said version of what's on the can, so it's definitely worth a try.
0: So in Wisconsin, I think they have a, a, a beer scene comparable to Sacramento. I think the flavor profiles, which we'll get into a little bit different, oh, yeah, like that's right. I is there. Madison
1: but, had a, Madison's a college town too. That's, there's a lot of younger people there, so maybe that has something to do with it.
0: Maybe. And um, but everywhere you went, you'd still get, you know, they'd have a hundred taps, but they're still gonna have Schlitz and still gonna have
1: Hams. Oh, Schlitz is good, though. You know, like, or they have Spotted Cow, beer, which is a cream ale uh, that's out
0: there, too, that that people hate on. But they have, they have like, no matter how crafty they get, no matter the, the, the trendiest place you'd go to, mm-hmm. they'd still have those
1: old-school American Pilsner staples. So that's the interesting thing is um, out here where we're at, for the most part, the West Coast places have, excuse me, a brewery-specific staple. You go back there. The staples are standard. They're they're standards. Everyone has the same staple beers.
0: Yeah, so I don't want to muddy the water too much, but there's an interesting article that just recently came out about how staples are almost obsolete in the craft beer industry right now because avid craft beer people, you know, after they get introduced to your style, they don't really want to have the same thing over and over. You know, well, I'm sure you've noticed, because I noticed this too. If New Glory is bringing back a beer, I almost get disappointed. They'll,
1: they'll say, you know,
0: triple can release, and one will be Gummy Worm, Chewy Pale Ale. I'm like, oh, next. I've already had that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's I, I keep an eye out for that kind of stuff too. They, they sometimes will do variations, like they had uh, Loudmouth and then Loudmouth Double Dry Hopped. Sure, 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 sure. They had that um, – what was it when we just Showstopper? But they had a slightly – even though it said the same name, it was apparently – a slightly different recipe uh, that ended up being a little bit different. It was a different beer experiences they're both good, but yeah, but that's so and
0: so because we have more of that that market that drives those staples out, I mean that could be part of the reason why maybe the Midwest doesn't have that market because even though Madison is a college town and that might point towards why they have more of a crafty scene, mm-hmm. There's still in Madison. There's still a uh, an older community that just has grown up there for generations and never left.
1: Yeah. And so, so so you experience this now firsthand too. It's I got to go and deal with this uh, growing up, but I didn't really appreciate it until I was older. Uh, things don't happen as quickly in the Midwest. Things are more relaxed. Things slow down a little bit. Uh, we you know and on, on the East Coast and the West Coast, if you're going like New Jersey, New York, uh, most places in California. People move quickly. They talk quickly. Things happen faster. More stuff's happening. There's more stimulation. Uh, not so much out there, right? Was that kind of your experience? Well, not so much. I mean, because Madison is Madison specifically. Town,
0: I I mean, I guess I don't understand your qu- I, yeah. I mean, the Midwest is definitely slower than California, depending yeah. on where I was. Uh, at, on any given trip, Miami is about the same speed, you know, because mm-hmm. they're high-paced, big city. Madison. It's pretty similar to Sacramento, I think. Yeah. Okay. If you went to Madison, Madison's a similar speed, but people are nicer because that's how people are in the Midwest, right? But yeah,
1: yeah.
0: as far as Lawrence, Kansas, people, it, it was a much slower scene. Baton Rouge, much slower scene. Mm-hmm. More relaxed. More casual. Right. Not necessarily more casual, but. I had to repeat myself a lot because I talked too fast for most people. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the thing we don't we don't understand like we we kind of take it for granted out here in California it's uh, I think New York some people call it New York the speed of business Uh, people don't have time because there's so much going on to talk slowly Mm -hmm. so on the coasts east and west coast we talk really quickly Uh, we need things to change fast we need more variety we need more stuff going on constantly and so that might be be part of this beer culture that we have. Where we just have constantly new stuff coming out all the time, all the time, all the time. And we don't really stick to the old – well, Coors Light. If you're in college, you're drinking Coors Light. You're playing beer pong whatever. That's pretty sure. much – That's – I don't think that's ever going to go away.
0: But no, no, no. When I But
1: when you go anywhere like 100 miles inland from the east or west coast, they're drinking Coors Light because that's what they like. That's what their dad drank. That's what they hung out, you know, their buddies drinking, whatever. That's what's at the store. You know, Miller Light, whatever. Uh, interesting thing too I want to pick your brain about we kind of talked about this when you got back but it's a lot colder in the Midwest mm-hmm. for a lot of the year uh, do you think that has something to do with them having more like lo- loggers and pilsners uh, than the coastal regions that are l- usually a little bit warmer on average because the I mean I'm, sh- I'm sure
0: I'm sure but what I think is interesting you know you talk about things adapting things changing you know a year ago I went to Madison, Wisconsin, and I noticed that all of the IPAs were really earthy, and yeah. um, they didn't have hazies. They didn't have, you know, like that wasn't that wasn't really a thing over yeah. there yet. And then I go to Kansas, which ha- is you know a way smaller area than Madison, and they have hazies. They have brute IPAs. They have, uh, you know, some like some barrel aged stuff. Like they had like a whole spectrum of different uh-huh. things. And there was snow on the ground. You know, they have a brute IPA, while well, there's snow on the ground. They have a hazy IPA, snow on the ground. And, you know, like, uh, they, had yeah. a, 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 they had a, they had they just tapped a Blackberry Sour.
1: Snow on the ground. Sour's out there. Yeah. Oh. So that's what
0: I think is kind of oh, interesting. Man. Who knows? And it could be subjective, you know, based on where I went a year ago versus this year. Maybe I just happened to go to some really reserved places a year ago and some trendy places this year. I don't think that's quite the
1: case. Yeah, but that's, that's hard to put a gauge on because the beer scene changes quickly. Right. right
0: so I think as much as every place I went back there, though, still has a good old Pilsner or a good old Lager. Oh, yeah. Uh, every place has at least one or two of those really nice, crisp, multi-finishes to to get to that old-school demographic that's – there.
1: Yeah. It, the but thing, I mean, they're getting like, – breweries are getting trendier in those areas for sure. So here's the thing though. So I'm not – I don't know if you call it um, playing devil's advocate or just pointing out the people that – maybe you don't want to admit it. Uh, like a, good, a PBR or a Budweiser or Coors Regular, sometimes that's just really good with a burger or like fried sure. chicken or, or like a good like sandwich you know or something. Sometimes that's just really good. You know, hundred percent. And
0: I think, you know, we were we actually talked about this when we were eating pizza right before. You know, we picked an IPA from New Glory that wasn't our favorite New Glory beer. It wasn't anywhere near our favorite IPA, but it was solid and it was perfect for accompanying eating pizza.
1: Yeah, you know, like it's if I want a pizza and a
0: beer. But if I had to do, you know, Showstopper the Triple IPA from New Glory with pizza. I'm probably eating two pieces of pizza finishing my beer and I'm I'm good because that's so heavy. So yeah, mm-hmm. the same thing kind of applies. But I think what's also kinda of interesting to mention, when I went to that brewery in Kansas, I went to Free mm-hmm. State Brewing. Uh totally worth checking out, really great food.
1: Yeah.
0: Really amazing beer. But they uh you know, they had a full board. Yeah, I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I went twice. And when I mentioned to one of the guys at the University of Kansas when I was, you know, on, at the school doing an interview, I mentioned to him, you know, I was like, yeah, I went to Free State. I really enjoyed it. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders. He's like, I mean, they're solid, but they're not the best thing we have out here. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, oh. a brewery that's, to me, was trendy, had some good things. You know, their brew IPA there was you know, the best Brut IPA I've ever had. Yeah, uh, we've had. To, to have a, yeah. a brewery that had a breadth of styles and doing a lot of things right – for him to be like, I mean, yeah, but they're kind of boring. For like, yeah, that's that that's pretty be, nuts, man. That's in Lawrence, nuts. Kansas, of all places, they're like, yeah, we have cooler stuff now. So did he tell you where the cool stuff was? Well, I had to fly out <laughs> that afternoon, so oh, I, I didn't really get to go explore anymore after that. That's kind of the, the crappy part about that. But even like uh, I was in Minneapolis, you know, I went to Surly Brewing. That should be, you know, if anybody listening has... You know, a bucket list of breweries they want to hit. <coughs> Go to Surly. Surly is like the Disneyland of breweries out there. That was some of the best beer I've ever had. And the food is made specifically to pair with
1: the beer. Yeah, where were we? Uh, the other day we were talking about it. There was a brewery, local one, that was talking about pairing at like a master brewer and his friend oh, who was Oh, Urban Roots. Urban, urban no, they Roots. There they he did. They did. Okay. So they so, got
0: a new brewer, a new head brewer from New York. Okay. Again, this deserves a fact check. This is he said, she said from mm. who I've, you know, just the beer social yeah. circles. People who yeah, a, are big on Urban Roots said, yeah. hey, you, they definitely deserve a new look because they just got a new head brewer. He's collaborating with the guy who's doing the food. Or maybe it's a girl doing the food. I forget.
1: Um, Either way, that's a but good they're combo. Trying to Right. You can't you can't lose with that unless, you know, they're a bad chef or a bad brewer. But if the beer's good and the food's good, I mean – that's that's the thing. You and I were talking about this earlier today, actually, when we were eating our pizza. But uh, we're getting to the point now where, where, especially like you and I, talk about beers. You, you paired that beer with the pizza. The, you know Some beers are better with some things. And that was the thing you kept telling me about, Surly was the pairings that they gave you were incredible. Yeah. Like the way that they put the beer and the food together. Not just the, the beer experience or the food experience, which you would – normally go to a restaurant you wouldn't most people don't associate the beer being part of the experience like uh, like when you and i go to a brewery we want to try some new beer we sit there and we just taste the beer we experience the beer by itself or we go to a restaurant or somewhere to eat and you eat the food that that food is the subject it's not very common unless you're like in the wine you know wines and fancy restaurants where they give you the food pairings with the wine But Still not even to the level of where some of these brewers are getting, where they're actually making like uh, it's a
0: joint experience. Yeah, Yeah.
1: where some of the food is made with some of the beer or some similar ingredients, so that the flavors come together. The entire meal, the entire time you're there, is the experience.
0: Well, I think you know our first brewery kind of experiencing that was the Sierra Nevada restaurant. Oh, yes. Where they have the different mustards on the table or cheese. Yeah. Pretzel. Oh man. But you know to give our listeners an idea, you know Surly. I had a, you know, a brisket sandwich, and then for dessert, I had a butterscotch creme brulee. But they had a pastry stout that was brewed specifically to go with that butterscotch creme brulee. And, oh, man. Is so
1: life-changing? Was, I mean, so... a different person, though? The,
0: the, the beer tenders were making fun of me because mm-hmm. after I did my first bite and sip of the pairing... My jaw was just down, and I didn't touch either one for you know a couple minutes while I was just trying to process what the heck just happens Yeah. Um, it was it was good. The food was fantastic. The beer was fantastic, and Surly has something for everyone. You know, I think it's so important, you know, in your brewery experience, especially if you're going with a group of people. It's it's really important to find a spot where everyone's gonna have a good time. Yeah. If you have a bad time at Surly, you just don't like beer. Yeah. Or you're just a crappy person because that sounds bad. Because the food's good, so if you just want to drink water and eat good food, you're gonna have a great time at Surly. But even you know Surly, they had 15 beers that were in what they called the malt forward category. So they had anything ranging from a standard Blondale or pilsner, to uh, you know that pastry stout was on the malt forward. Yeah, side. Okay. But okay. everything in between, they had some traditional German beers um, and a couple other, like they had, well actually they had a whole other category just for Belgians. They had three or four Belgian style beers. Wow. They had four or five sours and then they had an additional 15 hop forward beers. And you know those ranged. you know they had every single type of hop forward beer you could think of. And then they had an additional section where they had a couple meads, you know, like miscellaneous really? stuff. Yeah.
1: So they really did have quite They the had spread.
0: pretty much
1: anything that's, you could really want. That's exactly the opposite experience that I've had in the Midwest. Sure. It's uh, <laughs> good news, though. It's good news. The only yeah? downside
0: to Surly is that they only have two pre-constructed flights. So if you want to try a lot of different stuff, you're drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> So the best way to go about it then is to go with, you know, seven or eight people. Everyone gets a pint of something and you all, you know, pass the glasses around and drink a little bit of everyone's beer. You know, it's yeah. the easiest way to do that. Because um, that was the only thing I would have changed about my Shirley experience. I would have liked to have done a flight of, you know, as much as eight to ten beers. Because they had so much there that looked so good. It's really, it's the Disneyland of breweries, man. We just yeah. haven't seen... Uh, like it's almost, you know, for our listeners, it's it's almost like if Knee Deep had the most diverse board you've ever seen, and
1: a killer restaurant where the food and the beer was paired together. You no, know, that's I'm waiting for Knee Deep to come out with a restaurant because New Glory, uh, Out of Bounds, Track Seven. They don't follow the scene though. It's, you know
0: we're talking about that. They don't really do that.
1: Yeah. In they Knee
0: Deep. They don't really have
1: to. And it's
0: such a yeah. like it's a if it ain't broke don't fix it model, and it's also kind of stale too.
1: Yeah. That's but that's kind of where we were talking I think a year ago or so. Like, where is beer going to go? Because there's just so much. And we started kind of getting interested in the brews. So smaller than microbrew, They make beer one time ever, and when that's drained, it's gone. They make something completely different and fill it up. But you don't really usually see the same beers over and over. That's kind of going back to what Jordan was saying. We get uh, lightweight disappointed. We see the same beer pop up in one of our favorite places, something they've already made. Right. Because we like that place for the diversity. But when you're just making tons and tons and tons of beer all the time, I mean, you're going to play out your scene, so where are these breweries going to go? We didn't know where they were going to go. Apparently, um, the beer and food pairing, the restaurant atmosphere being incorporated in, is the new frontier.
0: I think right? so, and I think it really gives
1: –
0: I think it gives the casual beer drinker a place to safely get into beer because we've seen. We take people to breweries and there's only beer and they don't know very much about beer. And there isn't yeah. that standard 805 or Blue Moon or Sierra Nevada Pale Ale to really latch onto. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised, you know, for people who really like beer, you think, well, then look for a Hef or a Blonde Ale or a Pale Ale. Ooh. Even something like that is really daunting. Mm-hmm. for people who don't know beer, because it's not necessarily about the safety of the style, it's the, the comfort of the name, right? It's, yeah. I don't drink Blue Moon because it's a half,
1: I drink it because it's Blue Moon, which
0: is, I mean, that's how it's internalized, obviously. I mean, which people who is, drink beer
1: know the same. That It's really funny you say that, because that's kind of the beer market in the Midwest. A lot of it's brand recognition, a lot of it's name. Uh, they're just looking for something familiar most of the time. Uh, you know, they're very, very small... Younger crowd small percentage of the people that drink beer in the Midwest on the east well now I wouldn't say the east coast now because the east coast has a pretty great beer scene too. It's just the middle of the country. I've, I've seen a lot of um, It's most people just look for something they're familiar with so It's almost completely opposite where you and I look for something that we have never seen before Right, right, right. So um,
0: yeah, that's cool um you want to talk about this really quick, actually, before Yeah, because
1: it's almost gone. It's the Coronado Brewing, uh, Belgian beer preparing. Um uh, How do you feel about it? I'm impressed because yeah.
0: normally when we have dry hops, hazies, I think my biggest complaint is always they're not nearly as aromatic or nearly as, like, tropical yeah. as I would have anticipated by what's on the can and what they say their ingredients are. This one is a pretty good job. I really like the uh, – it's Idaho 7, Citra. It's got a, a weird one. Citra and Mosaic. Well, the, those three are the ones that really pop out to me. Oh, That's yeah. Quite, those
1: are the three. Yeah, those are really the, common. Um, the,
0: earthy of, the earthy part of the Idaho 7 yeah. um, is more of a subtle part. Yeah. And it really pushes forward the citrusy characteristics of the, the Mosaic and the Citra. And dry hopping mm-hmm. it with those was
1: just really yeah. nice. So here's – this. One of our arguments we had, I think it was on podcast number one, or maybe it was number three. I can't remember, but episode three where we talked about all the beers we tried. I think it was because we were both kind of complaining. We had a lot of like double dry hop, double IPAs. They were hazies that didn't really have a lot of punch or flavor to them. Mm-hmm. And this one, when I drink it, I, I believe it's a double IPA. It feels like a double IPA. And I believe it like was double, double dry hop too. Yeah. So it says pineapple on the can. I kind of taste pineapple. You know, it also tastes a little bit of citrus. I, I taste, you know, the earthy things like, like funny, you're saying. It's didn't
0: use Eldorado, but I get that, that me. melon that Eldorado gives you too. <laughs> well, the
1: Mosaic will give you a little bit of that if you do it just right. Okay. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, very, very small right. percentage of Mosaic. Um, Brewing is towards that melody. Normally, it's that floral. Normally, it's like the, the fruity. This is one of the few fruit. beers, though, that you, you yeah. read
0: the description on the can, and you taste it, and it's exactly what they say it is.
1: Yeah, so. Which I think is yeah. really
0: cool, and I think uh, as much as I really love to kind of
1: give Bilging beaver the short end of the stick. Yeah, they're a little gimmicky sometimes. Yeah, bit, Um but. They kind of, they hit, they hit this one out of the park. I, oh, I yeah. I'm really actually impressed with this. They've had a couple of good ones. Um, Fall of Troy, that Orange mm. Milkshake IPA was pretty good. Was, I liked Digital Bath a lot. Digital Bath was really really good. I didn't really like the rest of that Deftone series, but that Phantom Bride was good. It was okay. It's okay. Digital Bath was really good. That was one of the first Hazy's I think you and I really latched uh-huh. onto. to. Those with the Galaxy Hops, which is another. Uh, you want to get into conversation about regional hops or seasonal hops? Uh, the Australian stuff being in season in the winter, I think, aids the, the hazy community brewing a lot. A lot of people tend to use Galaxy or Victoria's Secret or um, Nelson mm-hmm. the hops, you know, because they're in season. It's summertime right now. It's winter here, summertime in Australia. So they're popping, they're, they're harvesting. Uh, this one, I was going to say, uh, as you drink it, this uh, tooth and uh, tail from Belgium Beaver Lab. As you drink it, it does kind of adjust your palate a little bit. Uh, Like when you initially taste it, you're like, huh. You know, I had like slightly reserved. Um, You know, I was was waiting for something else to happen. I wasn't entirely convinced. As I'm tasting, I think my palate kind of adjusted to Mm -hmm. it. A lot of flavors started popping out of it. A lot of stuff started happening. Uh, And then by the end of the glass, you thoroughly enjoyed this beer, which is interesting. Right. And th- we don't get that very often with the beers that we drink. Usually, it's you put it in your mouth. It tastes like that, start to finish. That's what you get.
0: 100%.
1: For an IPA, this was different. Like, it changed a little bit. We don't usually see this type of change. Um, granted, it was very, very, very slight change from start to finish. But uh, the changes that we see like this usually are like the barrel-aged stuff where it warms up. There's a little it changes, bit of complexity. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it changes. on I was
0: surprisingly impressed by this, actually. Normally, yeah. I don't really go for – I mean – I'll drink a lot of a Belgian Beaver comes out with, I just won't be blown away by it. Uh, we'll pour the next can, we'll get back into kind of what we're talking about with regions and stuff. Yeah, so the next one we're going to do uh, is dreadfully distinct, it's a double IPA. This was one of the cans that was dropped, I think it was two weeks ago,
1: uh, or was it was, last week? It was last Friday, it was about a week, it was about eight days ago. You're right, it was last Friday. So today we're talking March 3rd, uh, 2019. Right. (laughs) That helps.
0: And it was dropped about a week ago. So it's American Double IPA brewed with Nelson, Galaxy, and Citra Hops and fermented with our expressive ale yeast Packaged in its purest form, unfined and unfiltered. So for optimum experience, store cold and drink
1: fresh. So, ooh, 9%. Oh, that's going to be a, a fun one. Double? <laughs> that's a pretty high double. Yeah, it's almost. A, it might as well be a triple. It's pretty close. All right, let's uh, pour it. And... So you brought up a topic, uh, or not a topic, a type of beer that I'm glad you brought up but we haven't touched on yet. It was one of the more notable experiences that you had uh, the past couple weeks. Yeah, was uh, that? In your travels. You brought up the fact that... Uh, People drink Blue Moon not because it's a half, but because it's a Blue Moon, and that's one of the things here, at least in our local beer scene. We don't have a lot of hefts. so it's, it's understandable that a lot of people wouldn't really know what a heft is. But you went to Miami, mm-hmm. and they have a very popping half scene in the middle of winter. So, so what happened? What's going on so, there? So,
0: um, we should put air quotes around in the middle of winter, because Miami's winter. It, uh, I was just there, you know, mid February. And it was 85 degrees outside with 98% humidity. And it's a warm. And I, uh, like, gave myself a mild form of heat exhaustion because it was 34 degrees here mm-hmm. when we were, you know, when I was dealing with that. And that I was just wasn't bolder. cut out for that. But what I just noticed in general was that Miami had a really killer brewery scene. Uh, go to Little Havana if you're in Miami. It's in downtown Miami. And, uh... They have three breweries within walking distance of each other, and oh, right on. they all have really cool styles, uh, really great beer. But most of it's malty, huh? And Interesting. they still have IPAs, but they're not nearly as. Pr- I didn't see any brutes. Um, you see a little bit of West Coast IPA stuff. It's most – if it's an IPA, it's either – or if it's hoppy, it's either a pale ale or a hazy IPA, something that doesn't quite kick you in the teeth a little bit. Okay. And I didn't see any stouts. I only saw me. I saw one porter. Okay. Uh, but I saw a ton of hefts and a ton okay. of like mango wheat ales
1: or pineapple wheat ales or oh, a lot of stuff. I saw what some mead. Any like, uh, any any lagers? Um, Is it like that? No, no loggers. I don't think you would because mm. loggers you have to you have to age them cold. True, it's a warmer and, place. And it's a warmer yeah. place, and I
0: think it's okay. so much more expensive to do that there. That it's easier to do the
1: ale thing. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. No, he says I had a theory, but it, it was instantly proven wrong. So I won't even say it. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. The, good beer, it's really great. For those of you who really like, you know,
0: your 805s and your Blue Moons, fly to Miami and drink beer. You oh. have a
1: wonderful time. That's the one thing that it, we actually complain about all the time is there's not very many Hefs in Sacramento. And some of the better beers we've had are Hefs. RIP yeah. American River. Yeah, and then uh, there was that blueberry half from uh, Saitan Union. That was pretty good.
0: Blackberry half. Yeah, yeah, yeah Blackberry. Yeah, yeah.
1: was it black blueberry. Blackberry. Blackberry half. Blackberry Positive half. Positive was a blackberry. That half. was very very good. Um and. Oh, okay, so it. here's a local one, uh from Pyramid. Pyramid the Sacramento brewery. It's the beer that got me into beer, uh, apricot wheat. Yeah. Half, so. I re- that's one. Of the, that's one of the first ones I really got into as well. But there's Um, not very many. I mean, I think – how many halves have come out in the last two years in Sacramento? I have one on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what it was. I'm going to say about five that I can remember. If I try really hard, I can remember. I can remember three, but not – Oh, the Flying Hawaiian from Pizza Port. Oh, that was fantastic. That was really, really – that was a pineapple half. It
0: was amazing, yeah. If uh, you're in San Diego, go to Ocean Beach. That's where all the breweries really, really are. Like, you can see – Oh. Yeah. You can see the next stop from across the street. Kilowatt's our favorite. That's uh, Pizza port oh there. Man. If you have a family, go to Pizza Port. There's
1: it, I was to just about Chris's to say. talking about it. Uh, so I was going to point out that Kilowatt's fantastic. But if you're hungry, I might be going to, to Pizza Port instead. That, you know, it's good. their pizza's good. The beer and the pizza. Like we had that flying Hawaiian with a pizza. With the barbecue oh, chicken pizza. That was amazing. With, was, oh, man. Uh,
0: you know, self-guided beer pairing, if yeah. you
1: will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, kilowatt's good and all, but if you if you got the munchies, you're walking around, uh, you know, San Diego for a while, you've worked up an appetite. You know, pizza port's a good stop. That's a good stop. You
0: know, and uh, especially if you have kids, they got root beer, you know. Uh, if you have a, oh, yeah. a significant other that doesn't like beer, they have wine there. Uh, they have an arcade for the kids yeah. to play,
1: so you can, you know, get some downtime. And they're making the beer right there in front of your face. Yeah. That was, I think that was also our, our complaint, was they were cleaning out the stuff, and it was really humid. They don't really have air conditioners in San Diego too much. So if you're going to take warm, someone on a date but, in San Diego to a brewery, where would oh, they go? Oh, man. I'd have to know how much they like beer or not, because I might take them to a dinner and then go to Kilowatt separate, you know, as like either before or You only or after. get
0: one stop. And both people oh. involved
1: enjoy beer. Carl Strauss. Over Ballast Point. Yeah. Over Ballast Point. Mm. Carl Strauss was the food so was Carl really Strauss good. So Carl Strauss, I
0: think, is is to me, it's kind of like in the BJ's Cheesecake Factory scene in the yeah. sense that yeah, if it's a casual date, you can get away with going to Carl Strauss. You know I mean, that's a really nice casual date. You put some thought into it. Good food, good beer. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a nice thing. If you were going to go out for Valentine's Day,
1: I'm going to Ballast Point. The one by uh, Miramar.
0: The Mm -hmm. big, big, big,
1: fancy one, yeah. So that was for whatever reason, and I'm going to say for whatever reason because I know the reason that it was all the beer we had that day. I don't remember much about the menu, the food menu at Ballast Point. I remember being completely blown away by the beer selection, completely just caught off guard by how many beers they actually make there.
0: Well, and so Ballast Point has more handles –
1: Oh, yeah. And they have a wider breadth of styles because they have more handles. Yeah.
0: And they also do more experimental things than Carl Strauss does. Carl Strauss yeah. is more standard. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carl Strauss was great, right? Like, we both yeah, everything they make nothing, is good. You nothing know? nothing negative to say about Carl Strauss. Dude, that was our last stop on that trip, and Red Trolley still blew us out of the water. Oh, yeah. We'd never had it before. Still fantastic while our pallets were – Mine was almost burnt out, Pretty
1: burnt out by that point in the game. That was 60... We were at 60 beers deep at 65 or something like that. Mm -hmm. How many did we have at Carl Strauss? Did we each do a flight? I think so. So we were about... Probably about 60 beers uh, deep tasting-wise. Not pints, but, you know, we tasted about 60. I think we got to about 67 when we left Carl Strauss. Yeah. Between our flight. That's, I mean, even to be leaving an impression at that point, you know... It's it's a lot. And
0: so, I mean... There's no shame in Carl Strauss. I mean, I'm just saying, if I'm if it's a Valentine's Day date, I'm probably going to Ballast Point. Carl Strauss isn't a bad option, but I don't think it's the most ideal. Yeah. Because we talk about that every now and again. You know, like, what's the brewery where you're going to kind of – you go there and you're going to impress?
1: See, that's what I was saying, though, is it would depend on how much they, they they like the like beer. If they're into beer as much as you and I are, then I'm going to take them just – I'm just going to give them some food. I'm going to go someplace where the beer is – the Focus, which might be Ballast Point, it might be Kilowatt, it might be, um, where else did we go down there it was really incredible. I mean, we didn't get to go to Coronado Brewing Company, but everything they have is pretty good, you know, something like that. Like, I would do a dinner, and then go out for a couple of beers and talk after, somewhere really, really good. For sure. So, I have another,
0: uh, I'll give you an opportunity to come up with another theory of breweries in another area, right? Give me a second chance. So, All right. in Baton Rouge... Okay. I you, haven't been there. You, uh, you know, I've, been to Louis- Louis- I've
1: been to Louisiana, I've been to New Orleans, I haven't gone... to Sacramento area
0: people, if you've been to yeah. Yuba City, you kind of know what Baton Rouge is like. Alright. And, so, you know, again, one of the first things I do when I land in any new city, you know, I get in my hotel, check my hotel, you know, and I... Pull up Google Maps and I search for breweries. Well, I was... Mildly disappointed in Baton Rouge, because only two breweries came up. One was Tin Roof Brewing, and I actually don't remember the name of the second one, because I didn't go. Mm. Because they were so far apart. But I went to Tin Roof Brewing. Have nothing but nice things to say about them. Staff is super friendly. uh, Very, very knowledgeable. So, they had two different beers that were the same. Uh, One was a staple, one was advertised as staple, but with a different hot blend. Mm -hmm. So like it was like sergeant's quarters or something, and the second one was captain's quarters, and then on the description it said sergeant's quarters with the different hop blends. Oh, well, tell me about the different hop blends, and they could actually tell me about the hop blends and what they used in the boil and what they dry hopped with Yeah, and why they – like artistic vision within the beer. So it's really cool stuff. Which is not
1: very common.
0: And apparently they do some mild distro in local grocery stores, so you can get it elsewhere. So they have a tin roof, has some good stuff going. No food. They have a food truck similar similar to a lot of breweries around here. That that
1: works. Yeah, 100%.
0: That works. And then, so when I was talking to the staff, one of the guys was telling me that there's a lot of red tape in Louisiana Uh. on getting a brewery started. A lot of red tape. But. Like Sacramento though, there's a ton of interest in the beer scene. Okay. A ton of interest. So when I was at LSU, another interview at the school, you know, and uh, when I, my interview finished, the guy who was interviewing me said, "Well, what are you gonna do for the rest of your day?" It's like, "Well, I'm probably gonna get some lunch and start to head back to the airport." He's like, "Well, are you into beer?" I'm like, "Oh, I, I love beer." He's like, "Perfect. I know this pla- the place wow. you you to go. Recommend this place mm-hmm. called The Chimes." Right off campus on LSU. It's literally across the street from campus.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing our podcast outside tonight. There's been some interesting events that will all get cut out. Yeah. Uh, We'll do a special edition re-release one day where you see the uncut version of all our podcasts. Right. And you might hear uh, a lady screaming at her dog about turkey. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Oh man, so you know the chimes right
0: across the street from campus. You walk in, they have a hundred something handles. Wow,
1: mostly yeah. local stuff. So it's a, it's a tap house, is it? Yeah. It's okay. So that's 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 the thing that you and I have been kind of interested in lately. Is even so. Yeah. Tap house versus brewery. You know, even the restaurant
0: I went to dinner at the night before had about 25-30 handles. That's
1: that's a lot.
0: And it was a small
1: mom and pop shop.
0: Yeah. And it was all local Louisiana beer. So it was kind of interesting to see that there's so much red tape around getting a brewery started, and it's really hard for people to get a brewery started, but there's also Like a market that, if you can get off the ground, will support you. Yeah. Really heavy on hazies. West Coast Mm -hmm. ain't got nothing on Louisiana as far as their love for hazies go. It's absurd. Everywhere you go, they say, you know, you'll say, well, what do you have on draft? They'll start you off with the four or five hazies they have. Every single place. Didn't even ask me what I liked. Didn't ask me what I wanted to hear about.
1: I just said, what's
0: the good local
1: stuff you have? Every place led with the hazies. Well, if you think about it, so you got New England, right? Northeast or New England hazies, right? You got California hazies, and then Louisiana. <laughs> like, no one would ever guess that. Like, you would only have to, like, the only way you would believe it, it is going there yourself and seeing it, right? Like, you would not understand. It was absurd.
0: And, and, and all the hazies I had were good. That's, oh, that, They were all good. And I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not like a hazy guy. You know, there's those people who. Only drink hazies. Yeah, that's not us. You know, we we're kind of indifferent as far as their place. Like we don't really gravitate towards them more so than any other style. But a good hazy, like we'll 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 tip that back all night if it's good. Oh yeah. And Baton
1: Rouge, man, they have some good hazies around there. Would you say they're better than the ones we have here in Sacramento? They're wow. just as good, they're if just, not better. They're on par, if not better. If not better. Wow. There's been some good hazies coming out. There, right the, so the hazies in Baton Rouge. Man. Lot, They're man. good. They're really good. So, uh, I'm going back to Michigan. I have family back there. I'm going back, I think, this summer. So, instead of having a graduation party, I think my family's just going to fly me back. Sure. And my cousin's family is starting a new restaurant off of U2. That's US2, uh, Upper Peninsula way, it's called uh, move and fries and they're talking about brewing their own beer they're kinda of getting the infrastructure going now for the restaurant kinda of learning a little bit about beer so I've been trying to help my cousin Tanner with some beer you know they gave him some when I flew back in October I gave him some stuff out of my carry-on or not my carry-on my uh, check bag because I transported beer legally. <laughs> gave him some goose island gave him some IPAs from the west coast so when he starts making his own beer they kinda of have an idea because they have that's when I came back. That's how we got all the KBC stuff, up Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Great Lakes. They have another small one up there. Mm-hmm. And it's that for the most part, of the stuff I've tried up there, which I haven't gotten to travel around uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, that area as much uh, in recent years. But the IPAs were kind of like what you were explaining. They're kind of earthy, not very exciting. Um, They're just kind of thrown in boiled and processed a similar way that you would process any other ale or lager um, there's not much they don't have the style points i guess that a lot of the west coast or east coast places have so i'm trying to help him out but i'm curious to go back because it is a, it is a growing scene the midwest is, is expanding and stuff's happening out there so this summer i'm curious to see whether or not he has expanded his own research on what he's going to start brewing with the equipment they bought and his methodology or like you know what they have locally And it's – as much as – I don't want to bag on on like the beer back there, but to be able to get a pint of a black lager for a dollar, it's a pretty good black lager. That was that Widowmaker that we had. Mm -hmm. Be able to get that for a dollar shows the either volume that they make, which they don't make a a high volume. I I put them on like a um, knee-deep level as far as distribution, volume, processing. Uh, But then also – the quality of ingredients to be able to make a pint for a dollar. I think it raised it to $2 actually, $2 a pint. Um, it's good beer, but I don't know. I'm curious to see if they have a market for it. Because how much were you paying for a pint of beer when you were in Louisiana or Miami or Kansas? You know, was it five, six bucks? It's pretty comparable to here. Yeah, so I, that's I think that's something that so happens. So I, like I don't
0: remember, in all fairness, I don't remember the exact prices, but I remember when I got my bill, and nothing really jumped out. Like, the restaurant yeah. prices at the breweries were pretty pretty much the same around so, like across the board for me.
1: So that's something to think about is that the breweries are spending – I think the ones out here probably spend a little bit more on rent or real estate prices or taxes or whatever. But uh, for the most part, the ingredients are – the better ingredients are more expensive. And so you're going to pay 5 to $7 a pint for better beer. So you're paying $2 a pint – you know, like maybe they, that culture, or the area just hasn't caught up as much in the, the demand for the quality as, as some other parts of the country have. Where they want that fresh, they want that new hop, they want uh, a variety of ingredients, uh, seasonal change, you know, monthly change, stuff like that. And that gets expensive, you know? Yeah. And so there's some parts that you've been to, parts of the country, where uh, they have the infrastructure, the, the, People, the population with expendable income to support a higher quality brew ingredient, right? Because they have the money to spend on more expensive beer. Uh, or maybe some parts of the country, they just don't feel like spending that much on beer. That's, so we've been trying to get my dad into craft brew stuff. And he's, he's not like a really old man yet, but he acts like a really old man already. Like he's already there. He drinks his Coors regular. That's his happy place. He, we'll bring him like a really awesome, like... Um, Fort Rock has that uh, Eagle Vision Light Lager that's really good, uh, the the Folsom Damn good Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, Red Dust from Knee Deep, or no, that was from New Glory. Uh, Knee Deep had another lager I believe we tried a long time ago. Uh, we were trying to bring him these craft ones, and he says they're good, but he can't justify paying for them. He would rather pay, what was it, $18 for a 30-pack of Coors Regular all day long and be content and happy. So I'm curious to see if that's a shift that you've noticed. I haven't been back to Michigan since you've been traveling around a little bit in the Midwest to see what the the beer culture has done. I'm curious to see if it's grown a little bit or changed. Interesting.
0: I think, again, you know, I traveled a little bit a year ago, and I traveled again last month, and it was it was it was almost exactly a year yeah. in between. I think I I think this the the scene in these areas is starting to expand. Um, yeah, they're catching up, right? Yeah, I th- in a lot of ways, yeah, I think so. I mean, Surly, I think, in, in a lot of ways, is actually ahead of some of the major West Coast breweries. So there's some stuff around. There's definitely some diamonds in the rough. Uh, let's let's finish talking about this one real quick, and we'll finish the
1: uh, Where Beer's Going kind of talk that we're having. I'm about to finish this beer we're drinking, the uh, New Glory. What's it called? Dreadfully distinct double-edged That's right. That one was the one I was really, really looking forward to trying. Um, it's one so of the new ones. why were you looking forward to trying it? So we talked about this. We've talked about this a few times. Uh, Jordan and I are both part of the SAC Beer Enthusiasts Facebook group, and we have a mostly hate, a little bit of love relationship with that Facebook group. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every time someone – cracks open a Pliny and talks about how great it is, we kind of roll our eyes and go, yeah, it's, it's okay, you know, and that's kind of like their end all, be all, double IPA, I'm like, eh, there's a lot of better ones out there, this can release came out about a week and a half ago, and everyone lost their minds over this beer specifically, the dreadfully distinct, I kept hearing the word crushable, that's like the catchphrase, totally crushable, bro, it's so good, I was crushing these all day, oh, it's so crushable, but it wasn't just a couple people, it was like everyone in the entire Sack Beer Enthusiast page was saying that this specific beer was crushable. So I was like, well, there's a few people, a few people say it. That's cool because everyone's opinion is different and I appreciate everyone's opinion. You know, take it seriously. But in uh, the same amount of weight that everyone likes plenty of the other. So I want to try it for myself. But the sheer volume of people that said this beer was crushable and good, be very very excited to try. I could see game. that. I think yeah. it's definitely
0: crushable. I mean, to be fair to the sackbear enthusiasts, like one, I mean, when we say mostly hate, we don't really actually mean like hate, but we do roll our no, eyes a lot. Oh, that's a strong word. Yeah, hundred percent. There's, um, you know, people really like to stick their foot in the in the sand about a lot of different things, and you know, when you see. Uh, Facebook post that has 50-something comments with people bickering about beer. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a beer podcast, and we think that kind of thing is
1: is, is out of place and a little short-sighted. But, so... Yeah. Um, At the same but, time, though, like, when someone comes out with a beer, like, like this one versus um, the one we started with tonight was Above the tree Line. A little bit different hop combo. Uh, I think Above the tree Line is a single American. This one's a double uh, hazy right? Mm -hmm. So we'll try beer we don't just take it at face value we look at the hops that are in it, we look at the way that was brewed. A lot of times when we go to New Glory we ask them questions about what hops were in their dry hop, what type of malt are they using what's in the mix, you know that kind of thing. We do some investigation Um, we both kind of admit we have our own personal bias when it comes to what we like or don't like but it's based on research, it's based on I mean, we drink beer, but we study what we're drinking. We look into it. And so that's a little bit different approach than most people have. And sure. So that's, that's where I think part of the eye rolling comes from is like, – Well, okay, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I guess,
0: what, what basically what you just said is we're you – know, to me, beer is very much an, an artistic chemistry, right? Oh, yeah. And most people hardly tap into the artistic thing, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of – most craft beer enthusiasts are fully tapped into the artistic thing. Yeah. And then, kind of where you sort of separate, you know, the yellow belts from the black belts is how far down the chemistry line you go. And I'd like to think yeah. we're, we're we're in the middle of the range, definitely. We know a lot about the brew process. We're just not home brewers. No, not not yet. Not yet. So, will be changed soon.
1: But this is a thing. It's a distinction uh, between beer enthusiasts. Um, where there's people that just like to go out and drink beer, like they're they're weekend warriors or they'll go grab a four-pack from their store by their house. Uh, try something new if they haven't seen it before, they'll taste it. Um, I had actually, I took a bunch of guys uh, with me one day, and we did this at uh, New Glory. I specifically took them to New Glory because they have a very wide variety, large selection. There's usually a lot of different beers on tap. These are a lot of different hops. So it's easy for me to help someone kind of kind of walk them through the beers they like when there's more to pick from. Knee Deep's kind of the same way. Moonraker's kind of the same way. Uh, you know, so they'll have like, like my, my point is not just like if you go to BJ's, they have a red ale, they have an IPA, they have a pale ale, they have a lager, they have, you know, but <clears throat> you go to places where they make a lot of beer. Um, I know we back on the deep, but they'll make an IPA, but they'll make like a Northeast hazy. They'll make a double IPA, triple IPA. They make a single IPA. It's an American, you know, there's, if you're just looking for an IPA, there's different varieties. So I, sure. I take pl- people that don't really understand beer that much to places where, like uh, we went to New Glory, and they had like five Northeast Hazies, but they're all different. You know, they're all single IPA Northeast Hazies, but they all taste completely different because it's, they're made differently. And so, when you're taking someone who's just a casual beer drinker, which I think most of these people are, they, they like the variety, they like to the see, they don't really understand what they're doing so much. Um, you sit them down.
0: Not like, all of them. A not lot all of people them. know what the hell. Oh the yeah, are talking about. Like we we know <laughs> who like. We have just some to be friends clear. that are
1: like really like. Jordan and I take things a little bit too far sometimes, too. We, we actually kind of get a hard time from some people about how much we care about beer. Like, know, how many other people do you know that drink beer that make sure. a podcast about it? You know what I mean? Like, we that's how much we like beer. This is just what we – we made the podcast because this is what we do every Sunday night anyways. <laughs> Whether we're recording or not, might as well turn the microphone on. That's right. That's what we do. 100%. So I uh, took these guys out help them kind of figure out what kind of beers they like, what they like to taste. And then uh, once they figured out what they liked, what they didn't like, I was able to tell them what's in those beers, what to look for, the styles, and how they're made, that kind of thing. I think that's where like you're talking about separating the yellow from the black belts. That's kind of we're we're a step behind the home brewers, but we're a step ahead of the average in the scene. So that comes from us doing our research. When we like a beer, they like, oh, what's in it? how did they make it? You know, what's the malt profile, what's the hot profile, what's the color, is it filtered, you know, that kind of stuff. 100%. So, and that's, that's just, I think we just ask a little more questions than most people do, which is, I'm a nerd. I don't know if you consider yourself a nerd. But oh, I mean, I'm
0: a yeah. professional band nerd. That's my, my,
1: yeah. So there you go. We're just looking at things a little more because we're nerds. Sure. It's fine. Yeah, you know, we ruin something. everything, right?
0: <laughs> but, so, totally crushable. Now that you've, you know, that was what yeah. brought you to think about, I mean...
1: So what Especially it, yeah. for 9%. So that's, when, you're that's right. That's pretty freaking crushable. When people say, when this very, very large group of people, that for the most part, they have very different beer tastes, maybe a lot of them haven't completely refined their beer tastes, all say that it's super crushable, I was really curious to see what that beer was like, right? Uh, this is good. It's, it was really good. It was good. You know, the, like, you know, it's
0: the rewind and this is kind of where, you know, I guess I'll like, do the transparent study in front of, you know, like thinking... The hot blend works really you – know, the Nelson Galaxy, like those are super close, closely related. Mm-hmm. And Citra is uh, just such a great hop because it doesn't really screw up a whole lot.
1: It's really it, – it, it can take a front seat.
0: It can take a back seat. Yeah. You can dry and hop it. You can boil it, whatever. To have a beer that is 9% be this – like this is the most dangerous beer we've had really since Cleptic Gravity.
1: Yeah? You think it's more drinkable than Showstopper? Showstopper was 9.7, I believe. I mean, they're 9. comparable.
0: 9.4. I mean, okay, so, I mean, yeah. But those would be the three,
1: like, IPAs we've had in the last six months. Yeah, Collective Gravity was dangerous. It's 11% as a triple IPA provision. Yeah. this is, that's what I'm talking about. So, Showstopper's a triple. Collective Gravity's a triple. This is a double. It's At hanging, nine! It's hanging with those two beers. You know, that says a little bit.
0: It keeps up in the sense that it's, um... You know ABV versus uh, like drinkability, right? Like so, like it's it's shocking yeah. for a double that it's this drinkable. And I think if anything, this beer kind of shreds Showstopper a little bit because it's so close in ABV, and Showstopper is technically a triple. Yeah. But collective gravity being 11 percent being as drinkable as it is.
1: I is was just about to say. So this is crushable. So what does that make collective gravity? That was my that was my counterpoint. It, collective it's, gravity is I think, pretty. Pretty crushable. Yeah.
0: Especially for a triple. I think that's kind of the context you and I sort of put things in, like crushable for as as as, yeah. as it pertains to what. Because damn good pilsner from Fort Rock is a hundred times more crushable than this dreadfully distinct. But
1: yeah. You're not getting nearly as much flavor though. You know? That's I the, agree. The advantage of the IPA is you get a lot more flavor, like variety of flavors. You still get them all, but you're gonna get a lot more floral, a lot more fruit, that kind of thing. percent Let's crack open this last one. Yeah, so what's the last one here? Outcome the Wolves IPA from New Glory. It's a collaboration with with Device, right? With Bike Dog. Bike Dog, that's right. That's right. How could I forget? It's brewed and dry hopped with
0: Eucanut Cryo, Simcoe Cryo, and Mosaic Hops. Fermented with expressive ale yeast, blah, 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 Packaged in its purest form. Unfine unfiltered. This is... Uh, single
1: IPA. 8.5. Eight point five. Wow. <laughs> so this, I guess, you can consider that the brewer's intention of making a single versus a double. Yeah, apparently, half a percent. Is, just a style. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I had a uh, conversation with uh, a couple of friends, and you and I have talked about this before too. It's what distinguishes a single, double, triple? Well, it's we've talked about that even on the podcast. Too. Yeah, that's it's whatever the brewer wants it is wants it to be a single with a lot of alcohol content. Then it's a single with a high alcohol content. Some people would call this a double. Right. You know, like. Just it's hard to make a single IPA with this many uh, different types of hops and dry hopping it too. So I don't. So this beer, you know, this is the last one we're going to enjoy. Um,
0: in the podcast. Yeah. And it's strategically placed at the end because I think you and I both noticed that in the last year, beer and the other half of the country. Has changed substantially. Oh, yes. And, yes, very you know, much. we always enjoy sort of talking about like what is what is the future of beer? Like what are what are some new things that brewers could be doing or at least more or less to, like uh, try to be like a fortune teller. Like what are brewers going to think of next and what's mm-hmm. going to be the next greatest trend? Yeah. And this beer we've picked specifically because of the cryo portion, you know. We oh, have, yeah. I, I've only yeah. seen cryo, cryo beers – here in Sacramento, and I'm not saying that they're only in Sacramento. That might Maybe that's a West Coast thing,
1: yeah. but I haven't seen them anywhere else. Not yet, huh? But Not yet. We still do plan to travel to uh, – well, I'm heading back to Michigan one more time this year. I'm going to Lincoln, Nebraska this year. Uh, we'll be going to I – think, I think it's probably – It's probably going to be Portland. Portland. I was just going to say Portland because it's the sour capital of like, the United States. So Portland just has all the sours, all the good ones. you got Cascade out there. I really want to go to Cascade Brewery. Mm-hmm that's kind of – we talked about that in our New Year's podcast where we started the year kind of uh, snubbing our noses at Sours and then ended up being in the podcast talking about a lot of our favorite beers were Sours from the whole year. So, of course, that's where we're going to end up. That's kind of one of the new frontiers for beer. It's L.A. and Portland are kind of bringing that up. Uh, Lots of Sours. Uh, Maybe you'll see lots of Cryos too. That'll be interesting. We've seen sours move across the the country and cryos move across the country. Yeah, so I mean, because hazies came from the East Coast to the West Coast, so what are we sending back? You know, what's going back the other way from us? You gotta wonder.
0: Sure. I mean, the only thing I don't really see out here is I wish we would do more experimental things with like multier styles, you know. So, I, you know, I saw a lot of dry hot blondes, a lot of dry hot pilsners, fruity blondes, like tart blondes, tart pilsners, uh, and even, you know, in Miami, I came across like a coconut half, which was hmm. coconut, or it was a coconut pineapple half. Not nearly yeah. as sweet as like the Flying Hawaiian and Pizza Pork. Oh, that was really sweet, the though. The pineapple yeah. and the coconut really were just like a subtlety.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was really nice. And I wish we would do a little bit more of that out here. But out there, you know, obviously, you know, we spent the last hour or so talking about that. But what, what other styles do you think in the Midwest you'd like to kind of see more of or haven't seen any of that you'd like to see? So Cryo is the first,
1: but obviously what else, what else can you, you think know, of
0: that we, we, we'd like to see more of?
1: I would like to see – if I go back to the Midwest, I know there's probably a lot that I haven't seen or tried. I'm not saying they don't exist. I would like to see some really good double IPAs, just American IPAs or Western IPAs, just some straight doubles. You know, to see, that's kind of like a, a test for a brewery for me, if they can make a really good, just a single or double IPA. See, I'll even up the ante. I'd like to see someone make a quad out in the middle. You know what? We <laughs> we did that out here, and I don't know, how many quads have, we've only had one quad, right? Maybe. We've, we had uh, hop Range from Deep and that was like... I thought we had two from Deep. I thought Deep had two quads. I
0: could be wrong. Maybe it's just the one.
1: They have a lot of triples that might be technically quads if you look at them from any other Brewers' perspective, but they have the sure, one... Sure, I'd
0: kind of like to... I guess I'd like to see the Midwest go through like an like a over-hopping thing, like the West Coast ones are like an angsty, how many hops can we squeeze into a beer kind of yeah. phase, and now we've mellowed out to where we responsibly hop, uh, I mean still 11%, but we responsibly hop.
1: So the Midwest has a lot of uh, even keeled, easy drinking beer still for the most part, is that, how, okay, because my Midwest experience is a little bit different from yours, how would you categorize the beer in the Midwest that you've had, Midwest and the South? Like very the very Midwest. General. No, you kind of hit it already. So,
0: the Midwest and Kansas excluded because I think Kansas like hit hit all of the check. They checked all the boxes, which I think is interesting. Yeah. But you um, know, if I'm thinking like Wisconsin and Michigan
1: area, yeah.
0: you kind of hit it. It's it's they have some hoppy stuff. It's it, it's it's, okay. it's mildly hoppy or it's malty. It's mildly hoppy or it's malty. And if it's and if it's hoppy, it's likely
1: earthy. Yeah, I, see, that's something I want to look into when I go back there. Is what type of hops they have access to, what they can afford, what can be shipped, sure. Can be stored. When I was in
0: Madison, Wisconsin, a lot of the hops were earthy, like earthy based hops.
1: Yeah. But
0: then even one of the beers that really stuck out to me. So Ale Asylum was a lot of one of the breweries I tried, where a lot of their hop, like their hoppy beers were earthy. Again, this was a year ago, and and maybe I just hit them at that time, and they're you know I could be completely off base. I only went there once. Yeah, But another brewery that really stuck out was Lake Louis, and they had a Scotch Ale that was fantastic. And you see a lot of those kinds of beers out there, too. You huh. see a lot of, like, malty <coughs> ales and lagers, yeah. even in the midst of, you know, these IPAs. I didn't see a ton of dark beers out there, but they have, you know, they have
1: some black lagers. Again, but again that falls into, yeah. like, the malty sort of thing. That's, that's kind of my experience. A lot of the really good beers that I can remember back, uh, the ones I've had in the Midwest over the last few years, would be a uh, beer from Minnesota. I can't remember the name of the brewery, but the beer is called Grain Belt. I believe it's a lager that just like tastes like you're chewing on a piece of bread. <laughs> it's just really, really grainy, really malty, but it's really good. I like malty beers. Uh, Grain Belt was good. Uh, there was... Uh, a lot of the smaller restaurants make their own beers with their lagers. Uh, you know, not so much ales. Oh, I just had one on the tip of my tongue a second ago that we tried. But the Midwest... Ling, oh, yingling. yingling oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says yingling. You try yingling, what does it taste like to you? It's malty. It's really malty. It's a, It's like brown for a... I don't even know. It's a, it's a lager, but it's like a dark brown lager. You know, it's very, it's like, very malty. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, uh, so I guess in the Midwest... The Midwest is kind of a is is sort of an interesting case study in that sense because I haven't gotten a ton of citrusy stuff and like the only brewery back there where I felt like I got a ton of really great stuff was was Surly.
1: Yeah. But I
0: also went to some other breweries. You know, it's the only one that really stuck out to me like that. And so I'm not really. I I think it's just like earthy hops, and malty beers, where I think Miami is all about crushable. Like, what, what can I do? That? Like, like, Miami's not going to drop a triple IPA. They're just not.
1: Which is funny because IPAs are really good in the summertime. And a good IPA will just hit the spot when it's hot outside. Not a triple. No, if you can't drink it, that's not going to do any good. Right. But in Louisiana, <laughs> man, you'll see
0: you'll see any IPA you can get
1: your hands on. I don't know if it gets, well, it gets warm in Louisiana, I don't think it's Miami warm, it's the east coast, man, that's, the hottest weather I've ever been in was North Carolina, I know it's not Miami, but I've been all over Florida, and Florida was not nearly as hot, but a lot of that south, east coast, you know, the south area, gets hot and humid, especially humid, I mean, we can deal with 85, which we get regularly in February sometimes, out here in California, but it's like 10% humidity, you know? You start talking about 80, 90, 100% humidity, 85 degrees is a whole other animal. And, yeah, I can see that change in the beer profiles of what people like to drink. You know. 100%. You know, more fruit juices, cocktails, that kind of thing, whatever. But, but Yeah, I mean,
0: so that's kind of how the regions are broken down. I'd like to see more milkshake IPAs starting to come around.
1: That would be interesting. But, <clears throat> so your, your nerd is a different kind of nerd than my nerd. Mine's a computer science type Nerd, where we're not supposed to be having a lot of dairy. So I like milkshake IPAs, but the lactose does give me some problems once in a while. Sure. So I can appreciate them. Um, but if they come out with a bunch of lactose IPAs, that would be yours. You can have all the milkshake ones. And I'd like to see more pastry stouts <laughs> come around. <so. laughs> your milkshake IPA will bring Jordan to your bar. That's true. There you go. Uh, we'll bring, yeah.
0: Jordan to your bar. is better than theirs. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, but I think I mean, in general, I guess, uh, I like to see more pastry I mean, stouts, but...
1: pastry, are the pastry stouts made with lactose, too? Some of them. Some of them are. Yeah, we've had some really good pastry stouts in the last year. Really good ones. Um, pastry stout might be my new favorite darker style. How about you? But, uh... As back? far as, oh. like, if,
0: if... If I had to bet between, like, a barrel-aged stout specifically like a bourbon barrel-aged stout versus a pastry stout more often than not I'm pro- or, or I guess any style of stout but those two are kind of my favorites like a bourbon barrel stout
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a pastry stout and I'm probably going to reach for the pastry stout more often because it's more drinkable it's more more crushable right as our friends from the SBE page like to kind of yeah, talk about but, man, some of those barrel-aged beers are like drinking syrup right and <laughs> <laughs> You kind of have to have your game face on. You feel like you're almost like a war veteran. You have to, like, yeah. put, your, put your your gear on and, like, get ready to battle against this beer. And uh, You know, you and I go through phases where we're all about that barrel-aged stuff, and where yeah. we, we won't touch it for a minute.
1: Well, that was uh, Christmas time, and we haven't, I think we've had one barrel-aged beer since Christmas. It is now March. <laughs> so, it's just kind of... Uh, yeah, it's the change of the season because a lot of a lot of places will barrel age a beer for six to nine months, and then they'll crack it open sometime around Thanksgiving, and then we we'll drink it from Thanksgiving to New Year's and call it good. You know? It's true, but that
0: those, some of those pastry stats, man, I like even when that uh, plentiful pastries came out from New Glory last May, you know, uh-huh. we bought each bought three four packs of that. Yeah, that was good. You know, and that was with a two-four-pack limit on opening day and still went back
1: yeah. and got more. But that stuff ages really well. That was mm-hmm. good. So, I'd like definitely like to explore a little bit more around the Midwest and see... 100%. I think the beer scene this year for me was so much more lively
0: and uh, much more experimental, I guess. I don't know. I had so, a
1: much better time this year than I did a year ago. So you saw a lot of growth in a year? I think so. You also were different regions, but I don't think it had that much to do with the regions. I think it had more to do with the amount of time that had passed, uh, the development, the I would like ideas. to think so. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, again, it's so hard to quantify. Yeah, we don't live in the Midwest, so we don't travel the Midwest constantly. So uh, it's hard to keep track of what they're doing out there. I will let you know what happens in uh, Nebraska and Michigan this year. If You let me know what happens in Kansas or Louisiana, wherever you end up. Yeah, so. we'll have to see. Uh, let's finish up with this, uh, this Bike Dog New Glory collab. Oh, how do you feel about this beer, man? This one's been sitting in your fridge for about a month now, right? Almost. Well, it's sat in your fridge for two weeks, in my fridge for about two or three now. Yeah, and this I was told so, I was told by the New Glory people that these uh, the crowd beers. This one was a little bit yeasty, so let it sit, let it sit still for a while, uh, let the yeast kind of fall out of it. Uh, I think it definitely changed a little bit from how it was. Definitely changed. It's more
0: mild. You know, yeah. I had it. Here's what I th- So, I didn't have it right when it first came out. So, I had it, though, about two to three weeks after it had come out, and it was absolutely fantastic. And then this one, I think, I don't like it quite as much, but it has mellowed out a little bit. doesn't I, have the bite. I think you lose a little bit of the cryo bite having yeah. it. Ha- you know, it's, it's sat in a fridge, mine or yours, for about a month to six weeks, even.
1: Which is funny because a cryo doesn't have very much bite to begin with. That's the whole point of cryo, right? You do not well, have, have the floral stuff, but you, you get the all the hops. I mean, okay, yeah. sure, but I think,
0: I think I would have rather opened it like a week or two weeks ago. It's, it's it could be a little bit more bitter. It could have a little bit more. Mm-hmm, Just because when I be had I had right? the first one three or four weeks ago probably about three to three, three and a half weeks ago, and it was fantastic. I was super stoked about it. It's a good beer. It's I mean, it's, it's still good this time around. Yeah. I just think
1: I liked I enjoyed it more last so, time. That's funny. We, time. we both like New Glory a lot, um, and we also both like Bike Dog a lot. I just don't see Bike Dog uh, in stores as much or as New Glory. So, just, they don't Bike, release as much. You know, yeah. New Glory... Bike Dog is a fantastic brewery. And, uh, not buying a four-pack or an eight-pack of this beer would have been really dumb, you know, Like to try it. It's, like, two of the best ones in the region. Like, when they team up, you got to try it. Right. And it's good. So, that's the thing. So it's not as good as it was a couple weeks ago, but it's still pretty good beer. Yeah, like I mean... To, oh, it's still a good beer.
0: Okay, so we've had three really fantastic beers in this podcast. You know, I, we, we like to do this when we drink beer. Um... Yeah, so what's your, what's your between ranking there? Between the out, out Come the Wolves IPA and the Dreadfully Distinct IPA, well, it's a double, and then
1: this Dry Hopped... It's Tooth and Tail. Double tooth and Tail, Double Ebert. Dry Hopped, Hazy yeah. IPA. What's your order? Which one's the so best? So, how would you rank them? Okay, I have my order. I just don't want to distort yours. So you right. go and you tell me what your order is. I'm going to say there's a disclaimer that we hadn't tried a couple of these. And so it's really hard to rank beer when you try them in whatever order you want. It ends up being a different order than you wish you would have drank them because your palate, your palate changed. So,
0: so okay, perfect. Yeah, let's, let's talk right? about that. Yeah. So we drank it in order tooth, tooth and tail, uh-huh. then drank the distinct, uh-huh. and out come the wolves. What would
1: you have changed about this order and why? I would have done – I you know, it's, it's really tough. I would either have done Outcome the Wolves last, how we did it, or first because it is the most uh, happening. It has There's a lot going on. It's the most different. If you're going to pick one oddball out of Interesting. three. I would have done Outcome the Wolves in the middle and the perfectly distinct last. Oh, because I feel like doing uh, Tooth and Tail, really mild, really easily drinkable um, – the Dreadfully Distinct was very drinkable and then you get but I think Dreadfully Distinct even though it's was drinkable I still think it hit the hardest really? I think so because Alchemy yeah, and the Wolves
0: was a little bit it was a little bit subdued compared to what it was I think yeah. had the Alchemy and the Wolves had we drank it a couple weeks ago I think the order we drank it it would have been fine which is why I you know plus the you know it works for the podcast yeah. which is why I I was
1: good with this order but I think Tooth and Tail belongs at the beginning regardless I, I think so I feel like the the bike dog collab uh, really primes your palate it kind of excites your palate a little bit more so okay having that first so you was like the uh, first first, and okay. then, then tasting the tooth and tail I think we would have tasted more of the fruit flavors in that one and then when we by the time we got to dreadfully distinct we would have had probably similar experience that we had you know cause we, it's the same transition from tooth and tail to dreadfully distinct that's what we did tonight but sure I mean that's cool that's a really great perspective now I mean, life sucks. <laughs> you didn't get to do it that way. Exactly. But, well, you don't know. You don't know until you try. Them, sure. Right?
0: <laughs> and we don't have another outcome. The wolves. So, <laughs> uh, what what order? I mean, you can only do what you can do. But
1: what what order? Based on the order we drank them in, oh. where, where How would you rank these? Okay, so that's that's another argument. Is it's not order of drinking. We're talking about now which one is the best, right? Yeah. I'm gonna say Tooth and Tail was the best one. That's my favorite. Okay, so you have Tooth and Tail at one. Dreadfully distinct. Which is funny because I normally don't like the Australian hops very much. And then Bike Dog Third. or uh, collab with Bike Dog from New Glory. Now that's, what
0: I will say uh-oh. is uh-oh. the outcome of the wolves I had <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think it's better than both of those. Okay. But being subdued, I and have you know, I don't think it's quite as good. You're right. This is the beer, yeah, right? So that dreadfully distinct though is a very close second.
1: To me. It's it's a good beer. Is it crushable, Jordan? It's crushable.
0: <laughs> Not as crushable as Tooth and Tail though. Yeah, tooth and Tail. And Tooth and Tail, I think that's re- like oh man, from top, top to bottom, anyway, it, right? it's surprisingly good. Yeah. And this, I mean, for us to put a belching beaver mm-hmm. at the top of, you know, put it over two New Glory beers is pretty huge for us, because I, yeah. I think we're both New Glory fanboys. Yes,
1: we And are. we,
0: we kind of, like, I mean, I don't want to say we like to hate on Belching Beaver, but
1: we... We wish they did a little bit better job. <laughs>
0: when, when we say a Belching Beaver, beaver, uh, Belching beaver beer is good, yeah. I mean, there's really kind of an asterisk next to it. It's good
1: for what Belching Beaver does, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think Digital Bath could hang with some of New Glory's beers. Most of what Belgium Beaver does. I mean, Digital can. Bath
0: would be trashed
1: by Dreadfully Distinct and Outcome
0: the Wolves. But yeah.
1: Well, especially Dreadfully Distinct because you're using similar hops. You're using Australian hops. Mm-hmm. Digital Bath was um, Galaxy hops almost exclusively, mostly. So good news for all
0: you guys who are listening. Uh, mm-hmm. Truth and Tail you can still get in stores. Go to Final Gravity, pick up a can. I believe I still it's, saw some
1: Dreadfully Distinct also. It, you, yeah, you can I, still get Dreadfully Distinct. You can't get too. Outcome the Wolves, which is nah. kind of good
0: news, bad news. It's bad news because you can't have it, and it's amazing, but good news because at this point the cryo and the rest of the hot blend isn't doing what it needs to do. It's past its prime. But Dreadfully yeah. Distinct is a great pickup. I have a couple more cans in my fridge. I'm really looking forward to it. But this... Uh, Tooth and Tail, Belgian Beaver collaboration with Coronado Brewing, three seventy nine a can at Final Gravity, worth every penny and then some. Yeah. I, I mean, if you can find a whole four-pack, get it. You're not going to regret it. Um, well, that's
1: that's kind of what happens uh, when I, I find a beer like that, and they don't sell it in four-packs. Like, uh, when we find the dry-hopped, left eye right eye mm-hmm. Eldorado, I'll buy a four-pack. I'll make a four-pack out of four in yeah. a can. It's, it's that good. It's that good. So... So what's our uh what's what
0: what can kind the of listeners look forward to hearing from us next? You had a, you had another episode in mind that we'll um, do in a couple weeks.
1: We actually get a lot of shit because uh, we haven't been to Moxa yet, and we need to go to Moxa. <laughs> we have to we go. We need Moxa. to go. We had a gift card to uh, what was Moxa before that? Draco's or something like that. Dragas. Dragas.
0: Yeah. And they closed, and then Moxa opened, and we just I don't know. I think okay. something about that experience yeah. just kind of turned us off to go to Moxa, mm-hmm. which, to be fair, we've had several Moxa beers in cans and enjoyed every single one of them. Yes. Uh, we, we couldn't have a much higher opinion of Moxa. We know when you talk about mm-hmm. breweries in the area that Moxa should absolutely be, uh, if not leading the conversation, one of the first three to five names that are thrown out there as far as best brewery in the area. Recently ranked number six in the world
1: by yeah see yeah. that's that's I think why we're gonna do a podcast there we've had some good beer from a lot of places and for them to be ranked number sixth in the world a lot of times that's maybe they have beer that we haven't had distribution wise maybe it's we have to go there and try their beer in person Cause maybe a lot of breweries have beer that they don't distribute you only get there half and you know I have it, some so. thoughts
0: on that that I won't change I won't uh, reveal until the next Ooh. episode but stay tuned. Uh yeah, stay tuned. And <laughs> thank you for listening. We're going to keep drinking beer, but we're not going to keep recording it. And yeah, cheers guys. Have a great night. Cheers.